Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Welcome into another edition of Strategic Planning. Thanks for tuning into the podcast with Mike Flanders and myself to talk investing, finance, retirement. And we've got some top tax questions for retirees to ponder in 2023. This is a mid-February podcast, Mike, and and people are in the the tax mode. Although taxes, it should be an annual thing, not just the... um, and especially for retirees, right? It should be stuff that we're planning throughout the year, not just tax prep, which is that you know April thing we got to do for the government, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and um, it's it's upon us. Uh, the tax season kind of starts in early February when everybody's kind of gotten most of their tax documents. But uh, yeah. you're right. It's it's don't wait till then, boy. We need to be talking about it before we get to this point. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, on today's episode, we'll break down some top tax questions. Uh, and just kind of dive into these a little bit. So before you file your 2022 taxes and plan for the rest of the year, maybe check this episode out and listen to that and share it with others who might benefit from the message. You can let them know they can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, or at Mike's website at spcinvesting.com. Just type in strategic planning in the podcast app, or again, go to spcinvesting.com. All right, Mike, number one, what are the tax implications of withdrawing money from retirement accounts? Different accounts taxed different ways. Yes. Okay. So like, uh, let's say you've got a 401k and you are retiring and you are going to take a lump sum. Um, you're going to have 20% automatically withheld in federal taxes from that distribution. Mm-hmm. So something you probably don't want to do. However, if you're rolling it over, you avoid that. And most people are doing that, but sometimes you, you have some circumstances where that may not be the case. But the more common thing is you've reached retirement, you've got your money in your IRA, uh, either a traditional pre-tax account or in a Roth after-tax account. Well, when you're withdrawing money from that pre-tax account, number one, um, up until the point where you reach the required beginning date for minimum distributions, mm-hmm. a mouthful, isn't it? Right. Uh, you don't have to withdraw anything. Uh, but if you do, you just include that amount from the traditional pre-tax IRA that you withdraw. Uh, you include that in your income along with all your other income, and you pay your tax rate based on the bracket you're in. If, however, you have a Roth IRA and you withdraw from that, assuming you've held it at least five years and you're retiring over 59 and a half years of age, then you don't pay any tax. You don't include that in your income. It's tax-free. So, you know, a couple of things there. Um, one, typically you want to let that Roth IRA sit for as long as possible, continue to build tax-free and use it last and uh, get some of the uh, IRA out before you start taking your Social Security benefits so that you don't accidentally create more tax than you need to on the Social Security uh, later on if you've still got a big IRA balance. It's probably enough to say about that. What do you think, okay. Mark? No, I think that's great. Yeah, because <laughs> different accounts go different ways for sure. So you want to make sure you're figuring out, you know, not only the strategy of when you're, which accounts to pull money out from at what time, but the tax implications of those. Exactly, uh, and whether you might want to take some out of each to, you know, if if you need the income, yeah, then maybe balancing it somewhat to kind of minimize the taxation by taking 
the max you can uh, out of the regular uh, pre-tax IRA. And then if you need to top it off, then you might go to the Roth or something like that. Right. Because your income limits are going to affect the next one, Mike, which is Social Security benefits. Can they be taxed? Well, yes, they can be. So yes. how much is going to depend on your income levels, right? That's right. That's right. And just a, an easy way to determine if you are Take half of your Social Security benefits. So if you, you're getting two thousand a month, say on Social Security, take a thousand a month times twelve months, twelve thousand dollars, and then add all the rest of your income to that. If those amounts exceed certain levels, and for married filing jointly, it's twenty five thousand dollars, then you're going to have up to not right off the bat, but it's going to gradually increase from uh, very little to 50% of your social security will be included in your income and be subject to income tax, just depending on what your deductions are and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go over um, 25,000 of income with that, taking half of your social security and adding all your other income together, uh, and uh, you get up to the $34,000 level, when you go over that, you start moving up toward 85% of your tax or of your Social Security being included in taxable income. So, yeah. yes, your Social Security can be if you exceed those limits with that little calculation of taking half the Social Security benefit and adding all your other income to it. And if you exceed those levels, yep. they're, they're lower for single taxpayers. Yeah. So can it be? Yes. So definitely want to make sure you're, you're looking at how you're taking it out, why, where you're taking it from uh, and adjusting it for that. Let's go to pension. Does does pension get taxed uh, as differently or differently from other forms of income? I think it's state specific, isn't it? It is. In certain states, there are some uh, exemptions or exclusions of pension income for government workers, uh, military things like that. So yeah, just you, you just need to check with uh, the state that you are filing your income tax in as a resident. Um, and see if they have any exceptions. North Carolina does for uh, teachers and um, uh, government employees that have been in the state pension plan uh, and, and had at least five years of service as of, I think it's August 12th of 1989. Mm -hmm. uh, other states have other um, rules that are, are either more liberal or less. So you just got to check with your state and see what it is. Okay. Uh, we're talking about tax tips here for retirees for 2023 season. Uh, how about so the SECURE Act? So we obviously had new changes to the SECURE Act at 2.0 that passed uh, uh, for mm. starting this year or some things. And then, of course, we had the one from a few years back. Does that change retirement income and taxes at all in taxation? Yeah, um, I think really the only thing is that uh, I mentioned the required beginning date for minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that's called the RBD, required beginning date, and required minimum distributions is called RMD. Um, so you have all these little monikers. But it used to be that when you retired and you reached age 70 and a half, or whether you were retired or not, uh, if you if you uh, had uh, an IRA um, and you reached 70 and a half, you had to start taking a certain minimum distribution. Right. It's calculated based on a, a table the IRS publishes. And that got changed, by the way, last year also. And uh, they made it a little less uh, stringent as far as the amount you had to take out. But they also, with the uh, first SECURE Act, raised the age from 70 and a half up to age 72. So now you don't have to start until you're 72. With SECURE Act 2.0, I believe it's beginning next year, or is it this year? I think it it is this year, actually. depending. Yeah, it's 73 if you're turning yes. at 73 this year. Yeah. You if don't have you to take it this, this year. year. You can wait till next year, but yes. 
Right, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, if if in this year you turn seventy three, you uh, that was is your na- new beginning date. Yep. Uh, and then again, I think it's in two thousand twenty five or twenty six, they bump that up to age seventy five as the required beginning date. Based so, on your birthday, I believe. Based on your birthday, yeah, yeah. I believe that uh, if people age or uh, born in nineteen fifty nine or later would be get that age seventy five thing back out there in two thousand twenty six. Yes, it gives you time from a tax strategy, especially if you're doing some conversions, Roth conversions on four hundred one ks over to Roth, that kind of thing. So it does give you some wiggle room there. And yeah. just double check, folks, if you are turning seventy three this year in twenty twenty three. Uh, um, then you uh, you know you may have till next year to do it. There's a little bit of wiggle room, but they weren't even sure of some of the stuff that they passed. So just check with your financial professional and CPA uh, to make sure that you're correct. If you've already easiest exactly. way to think about RMDs, if you've already started them, you got to keep doing them. So yep, that's right. Uh, no matter how old you are this year. Right? Yep, there you go. All right, number five. Any special tax? Uh, number five here: tax deductions or credits that are available for retirees. Uh, is that state specific yeah. as well, Mike, or is there just some things to ponder there? Yeah, there there might be some state specific things, but there is one thing particularly that's available to everyone. Okay. It uh, depends on whether you're taking a standard deduction from your income or if you are itemizing uh, uh, deductions. If you're itemizing, you you certainly are doing that because you have more itemized deductions than what the standard deduction allows. However, if you are taking the standard deduction, uh, you're going to get if you're 65 or older or if you're blind, either one or the other or both, you get an extra amount added to your standard deduction of $3,000 if you're married filing jointly. Uh, or eighteen hundred and fifty dollars if you're single, filing single. Um, so yeah, it's it, there is uh, some additional uh, available deduction there. There are some uh, credits for being disabled and so forth, but uh, gotcha. that's the big one that most people will be uh, impacted by. Okay, and many of us aren't aware of those. So again, certainly good to bring those up here on the podcast. Uh, I mentioned another state. I mentioned states, you know, being state specific. What about just the concept, Mike, of moving to another state? You know, many people want to move from a cold state to a warmer state as they retire. So certainly, tax changes of those states can be impactful. I mean, we're seeing a lot of people that have left high impact states like. New York or New Jersey or California and gone to places like Florida or Texas or Tennessee, uh, not only for the weather, but for the, you know, the income tax. The tax pennies. That's right. Those three states you happen to mention have no state income tax. So here in North Carolina, we're like five and a quarter, five and three quarters uh, percent. Right. Uh, You moved to Florida, you just saved yourself 5% um, on state income tax uh, or Tennessee or Texas, and there are some others too. Yeah, and I don't so, know. I yeah. mean, what's your th- thoughts, Mike? If you're moving solely for the tax benefit, to me, that seems like that doesn't make a lot of sense because you're going to wind up cost of living and various different things are going to be different. But if exactly. it, there's another reason that you're moving, it's certainly something to ponder, right? And it's certainly mm-hmm. something to strategize with. Sure, sure. A lot of times people move, uh, you know, for to be closer to family or things like that as they're aging and, and be able to have you know, some contact there with uh, younger kids and uh, maybe some help at some point with physical issues. Uh, but yeah, um, you if, if, if it does present itself where you can get to a place where the income tax uh, is lower or nil, uh, that's not a bad idea, yeah. but that w- shouldn't be the the uh, driving force. It's just the uh, icing on the cake, so to speak. Right, exactly. I agree with that. Uh, charitable contributions, any tax benefits there for number seven? 
There definitely are. Going back to that comment we were talking about there on the uh, standard deduction versus itemized deductions. Normally, you if you're itemizing your deductions, and those are things like uh, taxes, uh, real estate taxes, state income taxes that you pay, personal property tax, um, mortgage interest, um, charitable contributions, and medical certain medical expenses if it exceeds uh, 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. Sorry to be throwing out all these terms, but anyway. So those, those four categories. If those things exceed the um, standard deduction, then itemizing can be beneficial. However, if those tend not to be so high when you're in retirement, and so most people do end up taking, statistically, uh, the standard deduction. Uh, most people take that. Well, if you're taking getting a, a deduction of some $28,000, that as, as a standard deduction, and making additional charitable contributions isn't going to increase that amount of deduction because you're not going to get up to that level to itemize. Mm -hmm. Well, you might want to consider what are called char uh, qualified charitable distributions from your IRA. Um, and, and how that works is you actually have your IRA custodian send a check directly to the charitable organization that qualifies that you want to contribute to. Then what happens is that money that gets distributed, whereas it would normally have been added to your income, which could potentially increase the amount of social security that gets taxed and reduce the amount of, well, it wouldn't imply, uh, really apply as far as medical expenses, but uh, it, it, it could potentially make more of your social security be taxed. Anything that's sent as a qualified charitable distribution to a charity is not included in your income. You don't include it. You, it's just not part of your income. The other side of that coin is it's not added as an itemized deduction either. So let's just say your itemized deductions, if you made all your charitable contributions out of your own checking account and that kind of thing, was $20,000. The standard deduction for you was say, let's just use $28,000 to round it off. Well, that's an $8,000 spread. If you're not going to make more than $8,000 more in charitable contributions, then the other contributions you made, if you had done them from the standpoint of this qualified charitable distribution, you wouldn't have included them in income. And so it would have helped you as far as your taxation, as well as possibly not including Social Security and taxation. Gotcha. I feel like I rambled on that quite a bit there, but hopefully, uh, Mark, can you? Is there anything you want me to clarify on that? Well, I think for in, I think in general, when you're when you're dealing with taxes, period, right? This is why people get a little turned off from it and they kind of avoid yeah. it or they, or they don't do much with it because it can get a little confusing. So we certainly want to share some tips on the podcast, but it's worth making, you know, following up and saying, look, okay, I do have some tax questions. I do need a better understanding of this, or if nothing else, just getting someone to do it, to handle it for you, right? Whether it's working with a financial professional and a CPA uh, or whatever that situation calls for, right, Mike? Because I mean, you've been doing this for 40 plus years, uh, and obviously you've got a, lot, a wealth of, you know, information and that's, it's easy for us to get lost in this, but that's the it point is. of reminding folks to talk to a pro. Yeah, quite frankly, I think they made the tax code like it is to try and confuse us as much as oh, possible. So without we'll make a doubt. mistakes and pay more tax than we have to. Yeah, and legalese <laughs> and all that good stuff. So no, oh, yeah. I think I think you're good there. Uh let's okay. let's let's knock out one more here. I think this will be a okay. good one to finish up with. Tax uh, considerations of gifting money to kids or grandkids. Many people think about doing that and what is it like $17,000 I think you can gift to a family member? 
Yeah, without having to file a gift tax return. Yeah, right. that's the annual exclusion amount. Yeah. So, any other benefits? Uh, is that an option to consider? Does that help us with taxes at all? Gifting money? Sure. Um, I mean, you don't get a deduction for it. It's a gift to a non-charitable organization. That's the only one you get a deduction for. Right. Uh, but when you're giving it to your kids or grandchildren, number one, you may be helping them be able to do some things that you want to see them be able to do, pay mm-hmm. for education, you buy a house, you what have you. But you're also reducing some of the assets that you have that you can give to them uh, and avoid capital gains tax on it, possibly for yourself. You won't have the dividend income oh, okay. the income yeah. coming in from it anymore. And so there'd be less income taxation there. Uh, if you don't need the income, I mean, you know, if you need it, that's another matter. Right. Be but but that helps are. with that longer tax strategy, right? Because yes. you're, you're helping be efficient with passing money on to your heirs by giving them some earlier on, which may yeah. reduce their taxable debt later on. Later on, right when they're in a higher tax bracket and that sort of thing. And, you know, the other thing is... Um, you mentioned the 17000 a year limit, and, and that's how much each individual person can give to as many donees or people they want to give money to. <laughs> if you got a uh, lot, as, yeah. <laughs> as, they want, as they want, that's right. And yeah. if you're married, you're both the husband and wife each have 17000 so that's 34000 But let's just say you had a... You know, you sold your house, you didn't need the proceeds, and you got a half million dollars or whatever it is. Right. And you want to give that to the family members. You can do that and exceed the 17000 or the 34000 if you join together and make a joint gift um, and use up what's called your lifetime exemption against gift and estate taxes, which right now is right around $12 million a piece. Oh, Yeah. Pretty, so pretty you, high. you wouldn't pay any tax on going over the 17000 but you do file a little one-page gift tax return with your income tax return each year. All right. There you go. So there's some top tax tips to consider here for 2023. Certainly, again, some of it can get kind of confusing, and that's the point of saying, hey, you know, do any of these things you know, help with my tax strategy and taking that to your financial advisor and your tax professional? And if you're not working with one, that's kind of a, a big thing. It's, it's in retirement. It's not just the income we need. Certainly that's king, but it's also how much we get to keep. So income and taxes are really the two biggest components of getting a good strategy together for your retirement. And that's what Mike does. If you need some help, reach out to him at Strategic Planning Corporation. That's the name of his company. And you can find him online at spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good jazz. And if you need some help, again, stop by Mike's website or call him at 336-668-4338. Mike, thanks for helping to uh, kind of make a complicated conversation a little bit better. You bet. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, as always, we appreciate your time here on the podcast. We'll be back with more in just a couple of weeks on Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.